worldly affairs, and loka anugatan, the followers of worldly affairs, Ashun, Bisli, Cha, and Hitva, having given up, Shitaha, taking shelter, Te, your, Charana, of lotus feet, Atapatram, the umbrella, Parasparam, with one another, Tvat, your, Guna, of qualities, Vada, by discussion, Sidhu, intoxicating, Piyusha, by the nectar, Niryapita, extinguished, Deha Dharmaha, the primary necessities of the body. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shiddha However, persons who have given up stereotyped worldly affairs and the beastly followers of these affairs, and who have taken shelter of the umbrella of your lotus feet by drinking the intoxicating nectar of your qualities and activities and discussions with one another, can be free from the primary necessities of the material body. Please repeat. However, persons who have given up stereotyped worldly affairs and the beastly followers of these affairs and who have taken shelter of the umbrella of your lotus feet by drinking the intoxicating nectar of your qualities and activities in discussions with one another, can be free from the primary necessities of the material body. Purport by Srila Prabhupada. After describing the necessity of married life, Kardama Muni asserts that marriage and other social affairs are stereotyped regulations for persons who are addicted to material sense enjoyment. The principles of animal life Eating, sleeping, mating, and defending are actually necessities of the body. But those who engage in transcendental Krishna consciousness, giving up all the stereotyped activities of this material world, are freed from social conventions. Conditioned souls are under the spell of material energy, or eternal time, past, present, and future. But as soon as one engages in Krishna consciousness, he transcends the limits of past and present and becomes situated in the eternal activities of the soul. One has to act in terms of the Vedic injunctions in order to enjoy material life, but those who have taken to the devotional service of the Lord are not afraid of the regulations of this material world. Such devotees do not care for the conventions of material activities. They boldly take to the shelter, to that shelter, which is like an umbrella against the sun of repeated birth and death. Constant transmigration of the soul from one body to another is a cause of suffering in material existence. This conditional life and material existence is called samsara. One may perform good work and take his birth in a very nice material condition, but the process under which birth and death takes place is like a terrible fire. Sri Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, in his prayer to the spiritual master, has ascribed this samsara, or the repetition of birth and death, is compared to a forest fire. 
A forest fire takes place automatically without anyone's endeavor, by the friction of dry wood, and no fire department or sympathetic person can extinguish it. The raging forest fire can be extinguished only when there is a constant downpour of water from a cloud. The cloud is compared to the mercy of the spiritual master. By the grace of the spiritual master, the cloud of the mercy of the personality of Godhead is brought in. And then only when the rains of Krishna consciousness fall can the fire of material existence be extinguished. This is also explained here. In order to find freedom from the stereotyped conditional life of material existence, one has to take shelter of the lotus feet of the Lord, not in the manner in which the impersonalists indulge, but in devotional service, chanting and hearing of the activities of the Lord. Only then can one be free from the actions and reactions of material existence. It is recommended here that one should give up the conditional life of this material world and the association of so-called civilized human beings who are simply following in a polished way the same stereotype principles of eating, sleeping, defending, and mating. Chanting and hearing of the glories of the Lord is described here as twatguna varushidu. Only by drinking the nectar of chanting and hearing the pastimes of the Lord can one forget the intoxication of material existence. Jaya Shri Prabhupada. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Gyanam Jana Shalakaya Chakshur Unmilitamina Tasmai Shri Gura Venamala Vanchakapa Trubyasya Kripa Sindhu Vyacha Patitanam Bhavani Vyo Vaishnavi Vyo Namo Namaha Namaste Jivanandaya Dasaya Vanachayne Prabhupada Vallabhaya Shne Gashi La Vinodine Ajnana Dvantagramanam Pashtate Patitamanam Jnana Guru Taya Chita Harine Chakshashayana Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prishtaya Bhutale Sri Mate Bhakti Vedanta Swami Nitinamine Namaste Sarasvati Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvisesha Shunyavari Pashtata Visitarine Jaya Sri Krishna Jaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Kedadhar Sri Vasani Gauravata Vrinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Lokam Chalokan Ugatam Pashumsha Hidvash, Shitaste Charanata Patram, Parasparam Tad Gunavada Sidhu, Piyushanir Yapita Deha Dharma. However, persons who have given up stereotyped worldly affairs and the beastly followers of these affairs and who have taken shelter of the umbrella of your lotus feet by drinking the intoxicating nectar of your qualities and activities and discussions with one another can be free from the primary necessities of the material body. And we'll read the previous verse because we skipped that accidentally. O oh my Lord, you are the master and leader of all living entities. Under your direction, all conditioned souls, as if bound by rope, are constantly engaged in satisfying their desires. Following them, O oh embodiment of religion, I also bear oblations for you, who are eternal time. So Karnamamuni is lamenting his desire to be married. And he is uh, petitioning the Lord for his blessings in this pursuit. And the Lord is going to respond 
uh, with his full blessings. And actually, because of the mood of Kardama Muni, he's actually going to receive Kapila Dev as his son, uh, who is the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So these beastly affairs of the material energy, um, actually everything, everything that's performed, everything that's thought, everything that's endeavored for, that's not in relation for God, is by definition um, animalistic life and a sinful life. Uh, Srila Prabhupada uh, was sharing with us that actually most of the society, they're just engaging in, in, in animal life, of eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. And so what to speak of following the, uh, the dharmic principles outlined in the Vedas? So when we, when we speak of these beastly activities in Kali Yuga, they reach a whole other platform. Um, because traditionally, the materialistic pursuits will be done according to Dharma. So the, the four fruits on the tree of the, of the illusory energy, or the reflection of the tree on the water of our desire, as Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita, are Dharma, Artha, Kama, Moksha. So in Kali Yuga, you can take Dharma and you can throw it out. There's no Dharma. And Moksha, people aren't even understanding that they're a soul separate from the body. So there's no conception of Moksha. Besides um, the idea of heaven, generally heaven, which is just more material enjoyment in this world. So you throw out Dharma and throw out Moksha and you're just left with what? Uh, Artha and Kama which means accumulating wealth and enjoying the senses. And so this animalistic life, Kardama Muni is condemning, but he's, but he's doing things perfectly according to Dharma, and he's still calling this um, beastly affairs, but the Lord is actually going um, to address this, and, and, and actually we're going to practically see through Kardama's household life how he's going to attain perfection through going through the fire of the Grihastha Ashram. So Prabhupada was bringing uh, the, the science and the culture of pure devotional service. And later on, he introduced the idea of establishing Varna Ashram. And Varna Ashram is there to assist us in being situated in an environment <coughs> where we can serve according to our nature. And we can be in a position of strength to fully dive into the culture of pure devotional service uh, that Srila Prabhupada brought. So these are the two tracks uh, leading to uh, sadhana bhakti, which means our regulated practices that Prabhupada gave us. And that sadhana bhakti is also divided into um, two categories. One is worshipping the deity, and the other is um, hearing and chanting. And, and distributing the, the Sankirtan. Both of these can be done according to regulations. But the goal of that is to, to develop ecstatic love of God, and which is a spontaneous devotional service. So uh, Ramananda Rai, who was a very intimate associate of Krishna, manifested in Lord Chaitanya's pastimes, he, uh, he petitioned um, the government 
King. Uh, Peruda, Peruda. He petitioned the government to go to the Lord. He wanted to leave aside his governmental duties. So the Lord, or the king, being a great devotee of the Lord also, he said, please go to that Lord and, 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 and take shelter of him. And actually, I will give you a full salary. I will continue to give you um, money so that you can sustain yourself while you're fully engaged in the shelter of the Lord. He was this type of great devotee. And then the Lord expressed to Ramananda Roy that actually you, you receive, uh, the king has received blessings through serving such a, such a person as you, who's my dear, my dear devotee. And so Ramananda Rai, um, in his association with Lord Jaitanya, Lord Jaitanya, when he met him, he was wanting to uh, embrace Ramananda Rai. But Ramananda Rai was considered to be a sudra in the social class. So the caste brahmanas who are with him, they were thinking, why is this sannyasi embracing the sutra? So the Vedas, they don't prescribe this. They admonish against this, to associate with a lower class person for a sannyasi. And so this is one example of beyond just the dharma in this world, which, which Muni is describing as, also materialistic. There's a spontaneous platform of devotion that the Lord wanted with his whole life and soul, his whole heart, to associate with Ramananda Rai. And the caste Brahmanas couldn't understand. So that when they embraced each other, they were both in ecstatic love for one another. And so in this particular uh, context, in this particular pastime, uh, Ramananda Roy is, is being questioned by the Lord about the, the topmost goal of life. He says, give evidence for the scripture about the topmost goal of life. And so we can see here, um, in this context of the Varn Ashram Dharma system, described by, by Kardama, and the, the level of pure devotion, that, that from one, one level to the next, Lord Krishna and Bhagavad Gita, and throughout the Shastras, is describing the process to develop and awaken the topmost um, connection with God, with Krishna. And so first he describes the Varnashram system. He says, this is the way, and the Bhagavad Gita says, this can lead to perfection. The Lord says, please tell me something more. And, uh, so further, he describes the process of, of uh, offering everything to Krishna. And whatever we do, we offer it to God. But still, we may do things that are our desires, and we're offering those results to God. But we're not thinking about the Lord's pleasure. Why am I doing this to please Krishna? For the Lord's pleasure. So then he says, well, actually, better is to, to abandon all these different uh, dharmic practices and, and just surrender fully to, to Lord Krishna. And he says, okay, that is good, but that, that's the level of, of a sannyasi, someone who's renounced the world. She says, better than that is actually when you mix devotion with jnana, 
you're, you're practicing jnana, the practice of jnana, and you're, you're, you're performing bhakti yoga. But then the Lord also rejects this statement. And this is the verse I'd like to, to read that relates to this particular verse today. That Ramananda Roy continued, Lord Brahma said, this is Lord Brahma's prayers, My dear Lord, those devotees who have thrown away the impersonal conception of the absolute truth and have therefore abandoned discussing empiric philosophical truths should hear from self-realized devotees about your holy name, form, pastimes, and qualities. They should completely follow the principles of devotional service and remain free from illicit sex, gambling, intoxication, and animal slaughter. Surrendering themselves fully with body, words, and mind, they can live in any ashram or social status. Indeed, you are conquered by such persons, although you are always unconquerable. So in Buddhism, they have the, the idea about a middle, a middle road, a middle path. And we can understand that in the context of Krishna consciousness. That um, ultimately, to cut down this tree of the illusion of the material energy is through the weapon of detachment. We have to detach from the material energy. But simply detachment without devotional service is superficial. Because it can't, it can't actually uh, cure the disease at the root, which is the desire. The reflection is situated on the desire within the heart of the living entity. And so, after this idea about purifying the mind through, through say, the process of specula- uh, philosophical research or the yoga system, then coming to the platform of, uh, of serving Krishna, then we can be situated in any occupation. We can be from any background. We can be any social order, in any ashram. And we can be a devotee of Krishna. And we can perfect our life in full devotional service. Like it's said that in this body we can attain liberation in devotional service. So there's no material impediments to serving Krishna. And we can see examples in our own Sampradaya, Bhaktivinoda Thakur. Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he had 12 children. And if you see his, his house in Mayapur, it's very gigantic. It's very opulent. The government actually had train tracks made right by his house because he was a high court judge, so they could take him to work. So he had he had great opulence, twelve children. But we see the mood of Bhaktivinoda Kaur is one of pure devotion, because the the fruits are there. The fruits come through our endeavors um, in uh, dharmic activities. That's the way Krishna designed this world. But how we see the fruits and how we deal with the fruits determines whether we're a materialistic, a materialistic spiritual person, or we're becoming a pure devotee. So spirituality mixed with material desires is, is, is called mixed devotional service. That's when jnana is mixed with bhakti, it's mixed devotional service. When karma is mixed with bhakti, it's mixed devotional service. But when the fruits are there, and there's no attachment for oneself, when, when we want to offer the fruits in the service of Krishna, then pure devotional service is developing. So it's through our vision, through our consciousness, that makes the difference. So in the, in the household, Grihasta Ashram, 
is a place, it's a fire of purification. Just like the other ashram, every ashram is a fire of purification. The celibate student life is a purificatory environment. The Rihasta ashram is a purifying environment. The Vayaprast ashram is a purifying environment. The sannyas is purified when it's done in the context of Krishna consciousness. So it's there to assist us in our service to Krishna. The six symptoms of surrender, the first is accept what's favorable for serving Krishna and reject what's unfavorable. So that's why the connection with Guru is so important. And actually, uh, if we come, if we go, if we get down to brass tacks, what's really important is our relationship with our Guru and our relationship with devotees and our relationship with Krishna, which relates to our relationship with Krishna. If we look past all the superficial spirituality, we get, let's get down to the brass tacks. What is our personal connection with our guru? Do we have a mood of humility towards our guru? Do we have a mood of servitorship towards our guru? Do we have our mood of humble inquiry towards our guru? Are we realizing and understanding the mood of the guru? Because without that superficial position in the Varnashram system or in a spiritual culture is simply external and actually can be offensive. So the real test, we were talking last night, I was talking with Jacob Prabhu, we were talking about what does it mean to take shelter of a guru and how do we understand who a genuine guru is? It's a, it's, a, it's a science, and it takes uh, being in touch with genuine saintly persons, with uh, the Vaishnavacharyas, with Krishna's words, as it is, to understand and get to know the heart of the Guru. Because just by uh, someone's daily activities, we may not necessarily know. Like Pundarik Vidyanidhi. You all remember the story of Pundarik Vidyanidhi? Uh, Gadadhar Pandit was told, you should meet this great devotee of Krishna. And his name is Pundarik Vidyanidhi. And when Gadadhar Pandit was introduced, he was subtly committing offenses in his mind because he saw, this person is covered in material opulence. How can this person be a devotee? He was sitting on like a throne <laughs> and he, he had wealth everywhere, very wealthy. Um, and when he recognized the heart of Pundarik Vidyanidhi, he was deeply sorrowful for his offenses he committed in his mind. This is all pastime. Get out her Pandit is actually eternally liberated soul, uh, the most intimate associate of Lord Jaitanya. But in this particular pastime, he recognized that Pundarik Vidyanidhi was not attached to these material opulences. He could have been like this one of the six Goswamis who was sleeping under a tree every night. But he happened to be in a different um, position <coughs> externally. And this external position wasn't important. It wasn't important. It was his consciousness that was important. So when he heard this, vo- this, this verse about Krishna's mercy, giving mercy to Putana, accepting her as his mother, 
And he went to ecstatic trance, ecstasy. He was rolling on the ground. He was, he was actually breaking all his things, all his valuables in the house. Because his heart was completely saturated in love of God. It didn't matter the external environment. So the external is superfluous. Like um, uh, Sudam Bra- Sudama Brahman, when his wife was saying, we hardly have anything to eat, you have a very wealthy friend, Krishna. Why don't you go and, and request that he help us? Since he's your friend, you went to Gurukul with him. So the Sudam Brahman agreed, but he was more excited just to see Krishna. <clears throat> and then when he, when he saw Krishna, he forgot all about asking him for anything. Because he was just in, in, in ecstasy of being with his friend. But Krishna realized his needs for his household life. And so he supplied great opulence in that environment. Did that change the love of Sudama Brahma? It did because there was a loving exchange there. But in terms of the externals, that was superfluous. That wasn't so important. And so Kadam Muni is touching on something really important here. He's touching on the fact that beyond all the externals, the only real shelter is taking um, full advantage of the transcendental sound vibration, which is the most powerful process, the only means of uh, fully awakening our Krishna consciousness in this age, saturating in this hearing and chanting. So, so the shelter from the fire of this material energy. And it's so sad to see. I was, I was thinking of different examples about how we see people engaging in these stereotyped activities um, in the material energy. We can look at our own lives and, and, and family members. I remember growing up, uh, my grandparents on my father's side, they were rather wealthy. Um, they owned, my, my grandfather owned an apartment complex in Chicago. And so when they came to visit, our, our excitement would be that they would have gifts for us. So we were, we loved them, but we were more, probably loved the gifts more. <laughs> so, um, but when I, when I saw them and, and getting to know them over the years, even though they would travel all around the world, they go on, you know, these uh, tours of whatever, the Amazon or the safaris, or they would do these different things. When I saw them, and if I, if I think about them over time, I don't feel that they had any real happiness. Like they were, they were actually suffering. Like they, there was something missing there for them, and you can you can feel that um, with people a, a depression, actual subtle depression, um, and and so it's very sad to see that these stereotyped activities, even if even if the perfection of arta economic development or sense gratification is satisfied, still people remain. Um, very dejected, actually, internally. Like we have um, one next-door neighbor, and whenever we pass by, we see that they're uh, an elderly person. They simply watch TV. That's what they do with their time. And um, this is actually going on. I think someone did some study of like the average amount of TV somebody watches, and it's pretty staggering. And this is the type of... Um, engagement people are are participating in, in and, and simply wasting this rare opportunity of the human form of life and not, not developing any inner satisfaction 
so actually Lord Krishna, Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, he, he, he explains to Arjuna, because Arjuna asked the question, what does it look like when somebody is a, a spiritualist? When somebody is an enlightened person? How do they walk? How do they talk? How do they sit? Krishna doesn't, doesn't respond in an external way. Krishna responds in a very profound way. He describes that actually um, it's, it's a matter of, of the desire of a living entity and their consciousness, when they've given up this uh, mental concoction for sense gratification, and they're situated in the self. So you see how Arjuna approached it from an external way, but the Lord went internal. And they're, when they're situated within the self, they've given up this idea about pursuing sense gratification. They found satisfaction with the self. That person is self-realized. So Srila Prabhupada, I, I found this... Actually, I believe Gurudev posted this quote. But any work that is performed by a devotee in Krishna consciousness is never work on the material platform, although it may appear to be so. So we see devotees uh, in the Grihasta Ashram. They have to work just like everybody else. They have to pay bills just like everybody else. They have to feed themselves just like everybody else. Sleep. Everybody has to do these things. But they're not, they, they lose a stereotype nature when everything is an action of pilgrimage, an activity of holy pilgrimage. When everything is dovetailed uh, for the purpose of serving Krishna. And then when, when the Grihasta Ashram is performed in such a way where uh, the, the activities of hearing and chanting are central, and it's a fire of purification. It actually uh, leads to the perfection of a living entity. And I asked this question to Vaisheshika Prabhu in Los Angeles at the uh, Q&A booth. And I said, um, you know, in the Varnashram system, I said at the end of life, one, one renounces household life and uh, becomes a sannyasi. Vanaprastam sannyas. I say, we, we don't see that so much in this movement. So I was recognizing all these um, families with children in the Rathyashra procession in LA. So it's very beautiful to see. How do we um, move towards taking on this Varnashram system as an example and how to progress in Krishna consciousness? And Maharaji said, he said, actually, the solution is just to increase the transcendental sound vibration. So if we think about advancement in terms of what's favorable for devotional service, like Vaisheshika Prabhu has a saintly wife. She's certainly favorable for his devotional service. There's no need to reject such a wife and to take to the forest. And actually, Prabhupada said the forest is the cities in Kali Yuga because in those city forests, we can perform dharma, we can perform yajna. And that dharma, yajna, is a Sankirtan movement of giving people Krishna consciousness. And so, also considering uh, Lord Chaitanya's uh, two primary reasons for coming. First, he wanted to experience the love of Radharani. It's his internal reason. He wants to experience the bliss of Radharani's love. 
how she experiences Krishna and, and how she feels in serving Krishna. He, he wants to experience the love Radharani has for Krishna. That's the primary reason. The other reason is to uh, give pure, this pure love of God to everyone else. When we engage in the secondary reason, in the mood of compassion, giving Krishna consciousness to everyone else, that leads to the internal purpose, which is love, affection, and attachment to Krishna in the mood of Radharani. When we engage in the mood of compassion to distribute Krishna consciousness, we develop more love for Krishna. And we help the other person develop it closer to Krishna, which in turn facilitates the internal reason for Lord Jaitanya's appearance, which is deeper internal love and bond with Krishna. If you notice the verse we read by Lord he is saying uh, here, So surrendering themselves fully with body, mind, and words, they can live in any ashram or social status. And then further on, Ramananda Rory replied, ecstatic love for the Supreme Personality of Godhead is the essence of all perfection. So you see that, that whatever position we're in, whatever varna or ashram we're in, where we're serving, is meant to develop this ecstatic love for God. So the Lord, He actually He didn't reject this. But he wanted, he wanted Ramananda Rai. At first he was rejecting everything. He said, no, that's external. Now go give something higher. He accepted this, this verse about developing ecstatic love for Krishna. But he wanted to go deeper. So he ended where Rupa Goswami ended in Nectar of Instruction, which is with Radha Bhumi, the loving pastimes of Radha and Krishna. That was the supreme perfection. He said, oh, there's nothing beyond this. That, that was the pinnacle. And so Lord, the Lord is freely giving this to, to all of us. And we can, we can imagine how fortunate we are that generally uh, through the Vedic culture we go through the different processes of yoga, meditation, jnana. We go through these preliminary steps of dharma. But in this age the Lord is engaging the animals, the insects, every living entity. He's simply saying, just take this Krishna consciousness, just distribute it freely to everyone, and immediately you can jump to the, the platform of perfection, no matter where you're from, what your ethnicity is, your gender, your background, your body, it doesn't make any difference. If you're in an animal body, human body, everybody can partake in the Krishna consciousness movement. And so uh, this beautiful story and this beautiful realization about Kardam Muni is really relevant to us because Srila Prabhupada, he gave us the perfect culture for hearing and chanting and remembering Krishna, which is the umbrella against the heat of the material energy of Kali Yuga. Like things are so weird here, they're so degraded here. Like uh, Guru Dev, he posted this uh, really funny meme that somebody was in a coffee shop and they didn't have their cell phone on them, they didn't have their laptop, and they didn't have their iPad, and they were just sitting there drinking coffee like a psychopath. <laughs> so we can see the stereotyped activities of 
of the material energy are, are so strange. There's no concept of God, of, of God in large part. If there is, it's like, God, can you give me a, you know, a Starbucks card so I can have more coffee? So it's, it's simply um, leading to a, a fire that is just burned and gets stronger. And then the shelter is coming from the mercy of the Guru in the form of this transcendental sound vibration like, like we, uh, we sing in the, uh, in the Guru Puja that, you know, you know the shelter is, 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 the, is, the, is the spiritual master. The shelter against this heat of Kali Yuga is, is coming through the transparent by medium of the spiritual master. And uh, when we take shelter of the Guru, uh, we humble ourselves before the Guru, and we engage in his service faithfully, understanding his mood. Like the culture is set up by Sri the Prabhupada so we can remember Krishna. Like Prabhupada would say about the, the dress we wear, this, he says when, when people see us, they think Hare Krishna. You give them the chance to chant the holy name of Krishna. You see, Prabhupada was so merciful that whenever he, whenever he wanted to have like an a insignia, or like a stamp, of the Hare Krishna. He wanted to name it International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Everybody gets a chance and say Hare Krishna. Um, my email address is krishnakov at gmail.com and before I was using my, my Karmi name email and when I switched I started, I said, well why don't I just share my Krishnakov email with everybody? Because whenever they're asking for my email, I'm saying K-R-I-S-H-N-A Krishna code at gmail. And they say, they say, yeah, Krishna. So I can, I can repeat the Krishna to them. So we always have an opportunity, like Govinda's restaurant. Nobody may know who Govinda is, but when we promote Govinda's, they're hearing the name Govinda's. So there's so many opportunities to uh, spread Krishna consciousness through developing the culture Prabhupada gave us. And the culture is so important. It's so important. Prabhupada stressed the culture as being uh, really significant in how we present, uh, present this philosophy and how we wake up remembering Krishna, putting on the Vaishnav Tilak, chanting sacred mantras. And uh, Sikra, he said, uh, Sikra, what did he say? Tilak, Sikra, uh, Kanti Sutra. Like it's a sutra. Like, this is important. It's concise importance of a Vaishnava culture and dress. Sikas, yeah, we got it. Uh, is there any comments or questions? <clears throat> yeah. Can you tell me where that's, it's an amazing uh, translation you read uh, by Prabhupada of Brahma's prayer in Bhagavatam. That's the Gyane Prasana verse, right? <coughs> yes, exactly. So I'm, it's such an elaborate translation. Could you give me the CC reference to that? Yeah, let's see. So this part starts in Madhya 8.16. 816. 816. That's, and then it, um, let's see. And also, what's the context? 
on that, he's elaborating a lot in that section. On that particular verse, he didn't give any commentary. Well, I know the translation is like a Reporting embedded in the translation. Um, but yeah, it starts in 8.16, but I have to okay. scroll through it. Is there anything else? Yes. Just an announcement that the Sadami is on a Temple President conference call and will not be available until probably quarter to 11. So don't go banging on the door until after that time. Okay. Yeah, thank you. Anything? Mm. Well, you're at, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, just a, you know, uh, kind of an, uh, one of those other side points. Like, it's true, it's probably in my initiation. He said, he, as I told, he sent a little kid out of the room because he didn't have T-Lock on. T-Lock is a trademark. They are selling Krishna for free. Still, they won't take it. And he started laughing. And, uh, and he, he would compare our garb not this, but <laughs> um, to yeah, like a soldier's or a policeman's uniform, and you can immediately recognize. And now that same Prabhupada who said that when it was favorable to not wear it, then he liked book distribution in the airports, and he said yes, whatever is more favorable to get the message out. So depends on the time, place, and, and, and that's and that's the balance that we see. That's the the perfect balance where. Some situations we wear Western clothes for preaching, mm -hmm. but we never give up the culture Prabhupada loved mm -hmm. and he wanted. So that, that to me, that's the balance of this conversation, is you don't throw out the culture Prabhupada gave, but sometimes yeah. you, uh, by hook or by crook, so you put a Western <laughs> dress, which is like hook and crook, to help reach people. Yeah. But you don't, not that you throw out yeah. the culture, that's... Yeah. Okay. Gantara Shrima Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Prabhupada Ki Jai.